And so we're going to look, we're going to just look at a very well-known verse. Probably you've said it probably a thousand times and you've heard it said even more than that. Um, but we're going to look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And uh, Jesus is, where's his disciples? Um, you know, he had been crucified and he had come back. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? So, Joe, what can we start by looking at that? Yeah, well, I just think it's interesting. As you look at that passage, you see, first of all, he says, go and make disciples. You know, a lot of times, and we'll, we might touch on this later, but a lot of times, you have people who want to, they want to evangelize. You know, they want to share the gospel with people, but they're not so interested in mm. discipling. And I think that's because the, the hard work that's involved in discipling. And you're actually pouring yourself into somebody, and it takes work. So I think that's interesting. And also, uh, as I was looking at this passage, I saw that it says, um, making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And I think that's interesting because a lot of people like to, they, they like the works of Jesus Christ. They like um, the miracles of Christ. Um, you know, they're interested in him feeding the 5,000 and healing people, but they're not so much interested in following his commands, you know. And I think in, in Matthew chapter 7, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And I think that it ties together with this because, um, you know, people, they, they like doing evangelism because, um, you know, it's, it's easy. They're able to share the gospel. They like to, um, they like the miracles and the works of Jesus Christ, but they're not so interesting in, in doing the commands or following um, the words of Jesus Christ. And I just thought that was interesting as you look at that passage. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I would add, too, is what you're saying. I would agree with you the the evangelism because it's easy to hand out tracks. Yeah, it's easy to to throw a track in something and give it to somebody and and uh, then you see these big crusades <clears throat> where you've got ten, yeah. fifteen, thirty, forty thousand people, and unfortunately in those crusades, I mean people are coming and to begin with. Um, ninety plus percent of those people are already saved that are yeah. going to a crusade. That's right. And then they're they're supposed to bring their unsaved friends. So nowhere in the Bible does it say. Bring your unsaved friend to an event with you so somebody else can preach the gospel to them, <laughs> right? And so they go and they hear the gospel and maybe they had an emotional experience. Maybe they, you know, they, they looked at their life and they saw their life was poor and sad and, and all of these things. And so now what happens? Well, are they going to get plugged into a local church or, you know, you don't know. And so you're just kind of throwing it out there, hoping that something takes. So I would agree that we need to do the hard work of discipleship. And, you know, I'll touch on this in the class as well, but you see discipleship in the New Testament, and it is the it is the foundation for what Paul did. He took yes. men with him, and women too, and he commended women. Women carried New Testament letters, right? And mm. so they, they, they had an important role as well. But we would say, well, I just don't know how that guy's going to turn out. Well, can you imagine Paul if he just said, I don't know how these people are going to turn out. I mean, Demas stabbed him in the back, yeah. right? And we know that there was some, some confrontation as well. We read in Acts with him and Mark, and so... Um, it's discipling people, not worrying about the outcome as much as you are about the method. And so Jesus gives us this command. It's 
it's natural church work. We are to be involved in discipling people. Mm. So a healthy church member has a concern for their own spiritual growth, but also a concern for the growth of people around them, other members of the church. And I like what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1.11, he oh, says, yeah. Be imitators of me as I am just as I also am of Christ. So be imitators of me. So he's telling this to the church. And this is going to be written down forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> right? And Paul's like, you're going to be able to put my life under a microscope. And I want you to be an imitator of me. So I think this is pretty heavy, personally, yeah. as Paul's saying this. Yeah. Um, and so I would encourage you or exhort you to look at the people who are around you and what do their lives look like in the church. Mm. Um, so if everyone had the same outlook as you... How would the church function? Oh, if, if everyone showed up, are they showing up throughout the week? Are they coming to theology class, equipping hour? Or are they just coming on Sundays when they got nothing else to do? Oh. Do they read their Bible only when they feel guilty? Or do they have a consistent Bible reading plan? So can you tell somebody, be an imitator of me as I am imitating Christ? I think that's great. I think a great um, kind of a litmus test for this is at home. You know, you can you ask your kids, or if somebody were to ask your kids um, this, what would they say about you? Are they following you as you follow Christ? Do they even know what that means? Or are they just, and, and if you look at somebody's children, you see how they're, they're living, and, and if they're doing those things, well, they're doing what they see mom and dad doing, especially at the younger ages. So I think that's a great litmus test. And you can ask your wife and your children, you know, in what ways you can, you can do this better, because uh, you're responsible as Paul said, to live in a godly way. If you're going to say this, to have them follow you, you, you need to be living that way. That's right. And, and I think that was actually brought up at the equipping hour last week. Somebody mm, said, yeah. I saw my parents doing their devotions, yes. and I realized that it wasn't just important for the family. Like, they weren't just saying it. They were actually practicing it. Yeah, that's right? so important. It is very important. Um, and then, you know, look at your life. What are, what are you spending your time with? Uh, or where are you spending your time and who are you spending your time with? Mm. And you can really get a you can get a really good snapshot of your spiritual walk by the people that you enjoy hanging around. Yes. And are they just lightweight people who just want fanciful conversation about travel and cars and houses and sports? And none of those things are wrong in and right. of themselves, right? I enjoy talking and watching sports. But at the same time, I, I also know that you know we need to be around people who are edifying one another, yes. not just uh, not just moaning how bad the lines are every mm. year. Um, I mean, it's it's fun. We already know that. <laughs> yeah, we already know that. <laughs> uh, and so, and then Peter says, "But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Jesus, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen." And so we have this mm. imperative command here to grow. So we're told we need to grow, not just grow, he gives us the direction in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what's he talking about there, Joe? Yeah, well, I think when we talk about this, you know, Paul urging us to grow, um, yeah, that was Paul, right? Or Peter, urging us to grow, you know, we have to think about um, the work of salvation. You know, as we, we talk about salvation, justification is, is a monergistic um, event. It, God saves us, he does all the work, we do nothing. But when it comes to um, sanctification, it's more of a, it's a synergistic event. It's, it's, and that's what Peter's talking about here. It's something that we work out with God alongside of us. That sanctification is the only thing where it's not monergistic in the, in the process of salvation. So um, when he says, be working out your, sal your salvation with fear and trembling in Philippians 2, um, 
That's what he's talking about. We need to be striving for holiness, be striving to grow in our walk. It's something that we have to be actively doing. It's not just a passive let go and let God. Um, it's You have to be actively striving for holiness in but the But I got word. that bumper sticker, let go I, and let God. I, I have the tattoo. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> but but um, so it's, it's something active that we need to be doing as um, believers. And that only comes through reading the word, meditating on the word. As Bob said, being around um, other believers... Um, that are going to edify you, that are going to challenge you, that are even going to, you know, confront you at times and maybe um, say things that may, uh, you know, hurt a little bit, but they do it in love because they love you. They want to help you grow. And so as you're part of body life, you're involved in these things, you're, you're working on sanctification, um, you'll be growing. That's right. And I, I think it's important to note that you are not stagnant in your life mm. with Christ. So you are either drifting backwards or moving forward. And so you need to put in the energy and effort to move forward because when you're not, you are going to be taken back. And the interesting thing is when the Bible speaks of drifting, it's always you're under the control of something. So you're either moving forward and you're following Christ. And like you say, it's synergistic and you're moving alongside or by not doing anything, you're actually allowing someone else to take control. And it's not Christ. And so you're you're moving backwards. And so when we put our hands to the plow and when we're moving forward, we need to be able to see growth in our lives. Now, it's not a, you know, it's not a fantastic amount of growth. We're not thinking, hey, we're going to go from, you know, a new believer. I just got saved today and I'm going to have the, you know, the knowledge of Charles Spurgeon tomorrow. (laughs) You know, like it takes time. But the point is you're growing in that direction. And so we don't want to be depleting, but there's no in between. We need to, we need to, to really stick it out and keep going. Um, it's also important to note that healthy things grow. Oh, yeah. And so if you know you're, you have a garden and, and you have tomatoes coming on a plant, you would look at that plant and you'd say, hey, it's a healthy plant. But if your tomatoes were not blooming, even though it had blooms and, and it had the flowers there, but there was nothing coming out of it, you would mm-hmm. say, man, there's something wrong. It's not healthy. And so if there's no fruit, then you think something's wrong. And we think the same thing about the believer. If there's no fruit. If we don't see anything in their life, we automatically need to think like, oh, man, you know, there's yeah, something wrong something with them. Wrong. Yep. Um, so Jesus gave the command. We give, uh, he gave the command to make disciples. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, are we a disciple of Christ? And are we growing in this grace and knowledge? So these things are not optional. And so, Joe, what are some ways you could look at your own life and you kind of set up to see if you're growing in grace and knowledge? Yeah, well, I think there's a, you know, there's a few um, different ways. You always want to compare um, your life with Scripture. You don't want to... You know, compare yourself with with other other believers or you know other people. But you um, you're always comparing yourself with Scripture, and you're you know just examining yourself through the the lens of Scripture. But if you don't know Scripture, you're not able to do that. You're not able to um, look at the um, the commands that Paul talks about in the various epistles and see uh, where your life lines up. And are you um, gaining? victory over sin maybe sins that you were struggling with in the past you see some progress there in your this fight against sin maybe this certain sin that had such a hold on you in the past um, is not primarily um, it's, it's not you're not a slave to that sin anymore you, you you don't struggle with it as much as you used to because you're being sanctified now that doesn't say you let, it doesn't mean you let your guard down um, but you just see you can just look back and see that you're growing in your sanctification Right. So, so it's going to look different for every person. Yeah. It's not everybody struggles with the same sin. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So I can't compare myself to you because that'd be pretty depressing. But right. I was like, man, I gotta keep working harder. Actually, and harder. you'd be like, you'd be, you'd feel way up here. <laughs> here comes me, the false so. humility, right, Joe? Come on. Uh, so we need to make sure we're growing. And, and here's the thing, right? So Jesus says in John fifteen eight, "My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and prove yourselves, oh, and so prove to be my disciples." So. We have three very distinct things in this verse that Jesus said. Now, this is from the great discourse, the I am the vine, you are the branches, um, which I would highly encourage uh, if you don't know what that is and you, and you don't know what, what we're talking about here, go to John 15 and read those first nine, ten verses. I think it's uh, 11 verses. And really study what Jesus is talking about there because here's the key. So you have union with Christ, abiding in Christ. All these are kind of synonymous terms. But how do we know? And so he says here, my Father is glorified. So... People ask, well, I don't know why God saved me. Well, the Bible never says we need to figure out why God saved us in a, you know, kind of kind of in an existential sense. Like, oh, I can't believe he chose me. Because we're all wretched sinners and he chooses who he wants. Now, the why, meaning functionally why he saved you, is simply to glorify him. Amen. And so you're, you are called to then live a life which honors and glorifies Christ. So we are here to glorify the Father. So how do we glorify the Father? Well, Jesus says it right here, that you bear much fruit. Now, he uses this this adverb here, right? So that you bear fruit? No, no, no. That you bear much fruit, much fruit right? So we want to we wanna have our lives like, you know, you go to those apple orchards in fall, and you're going around and you're picking the fruit, and you're the first one there picking the apples. Oh, and man. I love going out, yeah. right? And it's all just these trees are just hanging with this fruit. And my kids love it. They go up, and they're just grabbing all these apples, and we're grabbing apples. And that's the kind of life that you want to have. You want to have this visible fruit overflowing with copious amounts of fruit. Not one that's like, is that is that an apple or yeah. what? I mean, is it like a cherry tree or, yeah. you know, we don't want to have that kind of life. Or you're like, where's the fruit? Is there any on here? Right. You know? Where is it? Yeah. And so like Jesus and the fig tree, right? You look like you should be bearing figs, but mm. you're not. And so that you bear much fruit. And so why do we want to bear fruit? Well, it's twofold. One First fold is that your Father in Heaven is glorified. And number two, you're actually proving yourself to be a disciple of Christ. And so we can say, you know, you read that verse in in Matthew 7 where he says, Lord, Lord, you know, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me for I never knew you, right? So those people didn't have any fruit. If you look at what Jesus condemned them for, he, he actually said, look, you cast out demons in my name, sure, but you didn't bear any fruit. You did these wonderful works in my name, sure, but you weren't bearing any fruit. He never said, you had good, solid fruit, but depart from me, I never knew you. So all those works-based things can be faked. Mm. But the thing you can't fake is you can't fake fruit, right. right? Because fruit comes from the Spirit, and if the Spirit's in you, then you're saved, and then you're going to be uh, having fruit in your life. So we shouldn't think of the Christian bearing fruit as the anomaly. That's not the above average christian life it's a standard yeah that's right and so we need to live a life that glorifies god proves that we're in christ and we do that by bearing fruit now take that one step further we should desire to see that in every single person Mm. right that's why we disciple that's why we sit down with people that's why we want to see them growing in christ so then the church is growing and also the individual is growing and then they know that they're saved because they're bearing spiritual fruit yeah, I just wanted to add, I think when it comes to spiritual fruit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those... That's good. I know the song. <laughs> I can only sing it. So. <laughs> People can fake those. They can fake 
fruit. They can tape, as it were, fruit on the apple tree for a little while. And that seems, it seems real at first. Right. But over time, it's going to come out that this isn't real. This is fake. Just like the works that they were doing that Bob was talking about. It's not real fruit. So even um, if someone appears to have real fruit, if it's not truly from uh, a, a redeemed heart, fr- from fruit of the Holy Spirit, that's going to come out eventually. That's Truth right. and time go hand in hand. Truth so. and time go hand in hand. So we have our command, go make disciples. And now we see our course. So how do we do this? So Jesus doesn't just leave us, right? So we go and make disciples. And Joe, I really like the point that you made earlier on when you were talking about you know, churches that are just trying to share the gospel. And, and you see this. They don't care about the commands of Christ. That you go to the church and maybe it's you know a Pentecostal church where they're just all hyped up and the music's going and they don't really care too much about scripture but they want to get everybody speaking in tongues or doing miracles or you know they got the lights and they got the show and they're just worried about let's get as many people as possible then they just say love Jesus they got the big signs behind that say Jesus is risen Jesus is alive love Jesus all that kind of stuff they're not actually teaching anything right right and so here's our course we baptize them and so that's speaking of that you give them the gospel mm-hmm. and because we're not baptizing people who haven't professed salvation right and then then we teach what christ commanded so what does that mean for us we teach what christ commanded yeah well we teach you know christ you look at what christ commanded in scripture he when it comes to um salvation he repented he he preached repent and believe you know in romans um 10 9 confess Confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Paul talks to Festus about um, righteousness and judgment to come. You see Jesus talking to the rich young ruler, and he, he points out the man's sin and um, the need for repentance and trusting in Christ. And so that's the way Christ presented the gospel. He, he didn't, you know, we didn't see him having these big, um, you know, any kind of an entertainment type um, Presentation. He presented the true gospel in a clear and concise manner. And I think that's what we need to make sure we're doing. That's right. <clears throat> so once they are saved, um, they need to be born again in order to know truth. Like, right. right? There's no way he can't teach somebody biblical truth if they're not saved. It's just that the exactly. Bible is very clear. Yeah. And so then what is the content of what we're teaching them that Christ commanded? What does that look like? Uh, well, the content of what Christ commanded um, as far as the gospel well, we're teaching them, so we give them the gospel. Right. And now it says, so baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I commanded. So you see like John 15, 14, you're my friends if you do what I command. Right. It's just the, the scripture. We're teaching them scripture. We're teaching them commands in scripture. Um, not these things that we were talking about that are outside of scripture that, you know, may be good things. That's not what we're teaching them. We're teaching them the content of scripture as we disciple them. That's right. So we need to instruct them. And, and so this is where our love and our grace really come in into discipleship as we're meeting with other believers. Because we, we have to take into account that individual. And it's not just a black and white discipleship program. And that's why we don't do programs here because we're not just trying to plug and chug, right? We just don't want to get them in there, get them on the conveyor belt, get them out the door, right? So we want to make sure that people are coming in and that we're actually meeting with them and we're discipling them. And we do have... You know, our equipping hour would be a a larger discipleship group. The men's training and the women's training, uh, the women's Bible study, these are larger disciple groups, but we also meet with individuals throughout the week 
on a one-on-one basis and we're able to uh, get with them mm. where they are. And so we, we, you know, if we meet whoever we're meeting with, it's not just a, a blanket statement. Here's what I'm going to do with this individual. Like you sit down and you talk with them. So the content of what you're doing may be the same. It's scripture, but how you're doing it is going to look differently for each individual. And so we want to make sure we're teaching what Christ commanded because if we're not, if we're not teaching what Christ commanded, then we're not actually discipling people. And because we're just doing it however it is that, that we want to do it. So we want to see the whole church growing in Christ. We want to see the whole church growing in love for one another. We want to see the whole church seeking to obey the commands of Christ. Uh, and then lastly, we'll wrap up with this one. So we have the command. We have the course set for us. And then lastly, we have Christ's commitment for us or to us. So he says he's always with us. And this is... To be honest with you, one of the greatest, precious promises in the Bible. I don't know why people go to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Um, we have a, a New Testament, Jesus Christ himself speaking to us that he is always with us. Christ did not leave us alone. He didn't leave us as orphans. He didn't say, go out and do this work, and by the way, good luck, right? <laughs> uh, he said, no, go out, do this work, and I'm going to be with you. So he didn't leave us. So what does that look like, Joe? Is that means that Christ is with us. Yeah, well, I mean, it means in every aspect of life. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. So we have, you know, um, no matter what situation we're facing, we have him with us so we can, um, we're, we're going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. We're going to, in the decisions that we make, we're, we're, we're new creatures. We're alive in Christ now, whereas before... We were dead, so um, and the Holy Spirit's ministry now <clears throat> is is a different ministry. He's 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 not just the ministry of regenerating us and then um, you know working from the outside. Now we're regenerated, but He continues to to be in us. And when Jesus went away, He sent the Holy Spirit to live within us, just to to give us the ability to um, be able to live in this life in the power. Of God, so we have the power to overcome sin. We have the power to minister in all these various ways that Scripture talks about, and that power is the Holy Spirit. We're not doing this on our own. And the great thing is, He will never leave us. He'll never depart from us. So we can quench the Holy Spirit, you know, by continuing to uh, to live in sin or to sin in certain areas presumptuously. Um, but we have the Holy Spirit living within us that gives us the ability to um, to live a holy life. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I would say uh, just adding to that uh, with regards to discipleship and what that looks like is you don't have to you don't have to worry about discipling when you're doing it God's way. And uh, you know George Zemeck, uh, the uh, one of the founders of uh, TES, wrote a book. You know, doing God's business God's way, mm. and it's just so simple and it's very profound that we don't have to try to come up with new ways. Christ is with us always, and because He's with us always, we just have to make sure that the methods which we use are found in Scripture. Mm. And so as we're going through, what did Jesus do? Well, he, he taught his disciples. He he got the smaller group together, yeah. and then he sent them out to go and do work. So it was you were with Christ, you were learning from Christ, and then he sent you out to go and do the work, and then he came back to Christ. And so you see this kind of uh, method that he's using, and we just need to make sure that we're doing God's business God's way, and then let God worry about the results. Because we plant, we water, and we're nothing, but God gives the increase because he's the one that's actually doing the work. And, and I like, and I'll end with this, 
uh, Paul gives us this final result. So Ephesians 4 really delineates this well, and it, and it talks about the purpose of the church and the church coming together and what that looks like. And the end result, and, and I like what he says here, from proper discipleship in the church, Ephesians 4, 16, he says, From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. So every joint, every person in the church we all have spiritual gifts in some way or another, and so we're to utilize those with one another according to the proper working of each individual part. So once again, you've got the corporate church as a whole, and you've got our church that's here, a local expression of the corporate body. Within that local expression, you have individuals who are in there, and we're all called to do something within the church. And it says, causes growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so when each individual part is working, it benefits the entire body as a whole. That's good. And then we don't have to worry about growth in numbers. God takes care of that. We don't have a marketing campaign. We're not, you know, trying to send out flyers to people and get them to come in. Obviously, as you guys all know, the pastors who are teaching here are not, uh, you know, setting up stages with, you know, various <laughs> displays and trying to draw people in. Um, but what we do is faithfully teaching the Word of God to God's people and let God worry about the rest. And God has been very faithful to bless that ministry as we've been here. So anything else you want to add before we close? Uh, just quickly, I, I think it's uh, great what you said, that discipleship is, it, there's no, um, it's not this big special thing we have to figure out. You know, the world, um, you know, they, they like to make everything complicated, you know, and Scripture is uh, clear and it's it's basic and this is how you disciple somebody there's not because uh, people will come to me and say well i just don't know how to disciple somebody well just get with somebody get with somebody life on life discipleship um, teach them what you know from scripture go through a, a book of the bible um, and just invest in them um, and i think that'll pay great dividends that's good so on Sunday, we're going to start our equipping hour, and it'll be the first one. We're going to look at proactive discipleship, and we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about discipleship. And even more than that, we're going to look at Paul and how Paul discipled and how we can take that model and bring it into the church here. So, All right, guys, we love you. We thank you, and uh, we hope you have a blessed rest of the week, and we hope to see you on Sunday. Bye-bye.